You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today, we get to be a little bit more mishy-mashy, which means I can just kind of let it all hang out a little bit. Talk about whatever. So I got a special request, number one, from a Patreon donor, so I want to look into his special request. Something I'm always happy to do from my patrons. And if you'd like said VIP treatment, even though you don't have to be a patron to ask me questions, but I'll pretend that it's an exclusive club, feel free to give generously to patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Um, I also want to talk about the Pro Bowl, why I don't care and why you shouldn't either, and uh, maybe some other stuff I never really know, to be honest. As for preliminaries, um, iTunes reviews are always appreciated, or any kind of reviews. If you'd like to, if you don't have iTunes, as I don't, if you wouldn't mind, uh, maybe leaving a review on Stitcher. I think you can do it there. Also, I did notice iTunes has been having some issues lately as far as pumping out the podcast. Just so you know, and I'll, I'll try to do a better job of getting these posted up on social media because there are days I don't get episodes up or whatever. But that's becoming a bit problematic. But you can find the show in a lot of other places. It's on Spotify. In fact, I think I'm going to start making a push on Spotify because, um, well, you know, reasons. Don't worry about my strategies, man. Mind your business. But, yeah, if it's not really working for you on iTunes or whatever, check out Spotify. Otherwise, there's a billion other iTunes distribution things. I have, like, four of them on my phone. And as a general rule, if I'm going to do a podcast during the week, unless I have the day off, I have to have it up by about 5.30 at the absolute latest. So they all take a little bit of time. But by 6 o'clock, if it's not up, something's wrong, and you can check a different one. And, you know, you could just always ask, doing a podcast today? Although, you know what? Don't do that. People used to do that all the time, and then it got to the point where, like, seven or eight people every single day were asking me, are you doing a podcast today? So just just wait it out. And um, as always, just let's do this. Number one priority, make sure you're in the Facebook group. That's where, all, that's where the party's at. That's where this Packernet family gets together and acts like a very dysfunctional family talking about the Packers. It's like if your family was really crazy, which it probably is, but they were also really crazy about the Packers. So it's like they drive you nuts, but you want to be around them all the time. That's the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. It's like every, it's every day, dude, you are crazy, but I really kind of like it. That's what it is. The Facebook page, which I'm asking for your patience on because it's it's a work in progress. But uh, again, I'm putting a lot of my energy, or I'm going to be putting a lot of my energy into the Facebook page, trying to make that a big part of what I'm doing. Because you can do more with pages than groups. That's kind of why I'm doing that. There's a lot of resources that Facebook gives to pages that I wish I could do in the group, because that's where all the people are, and that's where I've been driving people to. And then it's like, oh yeah, you can't do anything in groups. You can only do it in pages, because that's for businesses. Facebook. So now i got to redirect everybody to pages. And then also, I know I say it in the intro, but pack underscore daddy on Twitter. I'm not 
the biggest Twitter user in the world, but I do usually, if there's some like new bit of information, I'll leak out a little bit of PFF stuff before the PFF episodes. Um, one of the things that I want to talk about today I forgot about is Kirk Cousins on Monday Night Football. I did a little research into that yesterday. And whenever I do research for the podcast and I see something, I'll usually just say it on Twitter and then I'll elaborate in the show. So you do get a little bit of something. Also, I, I think I have it automated for the show. So you'll see on Twitter when there's a new show coming up and it pops up almost instantly. So that's kind of an important one also. If you're not doing so already, pack underscore daddy on Twitter. Otherwise, Packernet Podcast on Instagram, and then I think uh, I think you got me everywhere. I really, really want to start doing mini podcasts on Instagram. I thought about doing it on TikTok, but it just feels weird. And also, I don't know how to like make it funny, and th- I don't really want music set to it, so it's it just seems like the wrong platform. So, Instagram's a little raw, also. But if, if again, Patreon.com forward slash Pack underscore Daddy. Let's let's get the Pack Daddy a little bit more time to do all this stuff he wants to do. Also, he wants to do it from the Bahamas. So quit slacking and start stacking some money to give to me on a regular basis so I can quit my job and live on a beach in a hut with a laptop doing TikTok videos. <laughs> Something to think about. I don't know. A lot of things you can do with your money. I feel like I'm, I'm making a pretty good case for why I should get some of it. Who wouldn't want to see that, right? Anyways, it's out there if you're interested. It's really just if you appreciate what I'm doing. It would be nice. You can do it for a buck a month. Kind of feel like I've earned at least a dollar a month. I don't know. Two hours a day of podcast. But, you know, what do I know? I don't know. Oh, and you know what? Let's do the giveaway now, if you're still here through my ramblings. Because I say every day we're going to do the giveaway at the end of the break, and then we do the break, and then I forget every day. So I'm not going to say that this time. We're just going to do it right now. Doing it live. We're doing it live! Random number generator. Um... 621. The winner, 585. Ooh, that's a big one. We gotta scroll for a little while. Please hold. 200, 300. Should have pushed pause. 400, 585. The winner is Team NB Flag. This isn't gonna be someone that's gonna get this either. You got one day, Team NB Flag Football. One day. Hit me up on Instagram. Let's take a break. So we've only got a few days left to make some decisions here about this Vikings game and whether or not we're going to go. I've made my decision. It's the wrong decision, but i got stuff going on. Also, no money. But that's not true for all of you. And so far, it's been just about every single week that I've been talking about going to the game. I've had people respond saying they're doing it, they're going, and I didn't think that people would. Going out to New York or New Jersey to watch the Giants, I'm like, nobody's going to go there. Sure enough, several people did. I got pictures, videos, the whole nine yards. Chargers game, I didn't think anybody would go. Several people went. I got a video from a guy saying I'm about to meet with the Chargers owner, so cool. I'm sure he put in a good word for me. So if we got people traveling to those games, we got to have people going to the Vikings game. Got to. And if you're going to go, make sure you're using Vivid Seats. You get rewards points back every single time you make purchases. They're all backed by 100% buyer guarantees. And if it's your first time, make sure you enter promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100. And once again, if you can't go, or even if you can, one of the best resources that we have right now for all things sports, all things football, if you want constant live streaming action, you're going to be hard-pressed to do better than CBS Sports HQ, which is great because today's episode just so happens to be brought to you by CBS Sports HQ, the brand-new streaming sports news network. It's live 24-7 and costs you nothing. That's right. It's sports coverage. It's always on and always free, always. But it is nice, especially as far as apps go, just because it's one of those that you can just download, 
You don't have to log in. You don't have to create a login. You don't have to have a special CBS password that you're never going to remember because you probably don't have a lot of CBS stuff. Nope. Don't need any of it. Download the app. You can just flip it open and just leave it up because they're just constantly posing, posting content 24-7 all day long. Just rocking that house. And there's a little bit of everything. Fantasy advice. There's uh, tips and trends for fantasy football. Some gambling advice. There's no fake debates, just real sports for real sports fans at a great price of completely free. You don't even have to log in or sign up or do anything. Download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. So why don't we start with the Pro Bowl? I I honestly don't understand why we make such a big deal out of this, other than Pro Bowl is one of those things, when you're talking about how good a player is, you bring up how many times they've been to the Pro Bowl. I think that, first of all, should probably change because the Pro Bowl is a joke. Nobody watches it, nobody cares, and the voting process is a little bit less than what you would call scientific. Who cares? Why, why do we care about this? It's nothing more than a giant popul- popularity contest. I mean, obviously there's some merit to it. It's so essentially, if you think about who the voters are, you've got coaches, you've got players, and you've got fans. All three of those categories are, are picking based on maybe, what, three categories? There's people on their team... There's people they like, and then there's people that they respect. And people will vote based on those categories in slightly different ways, but, you know, some of that is going to lead to there being some correct picks, obviously. Because even if you're picking people on your team, number one, you're probably going to pick the best players on your team, the guys that you know are pretty good. If you're going to pick players you like, at least in terms of fans, fans tend to like players that are good. And then, of course, if you look at respect, you typically respect the players that are pretty good. But it's certainly not a perfect process. There are certain people that fly under the radar because the media doesn't talk about them. Maybe it's their first year being a really good player. For example, do you know who the number one wide receiver is? I'll give you a hint. He's not in the Pro Bowl. Now, he's also hurt. I think he might be out for the year. I'm not positive. I didn't really look into it. I just saw it, and it was kind of like, oh, man, that stinks. He was having a great year. I just look now for the sake of this whole thing to see how it lines up with what PFF says. And again, PFF isn't the ultimate arbiter, but I think it would be a much better metric to just take PFF's top five in each category and just take them to the Pro Bowl. They would never do that because half of the excitement for people is voting. Although, who's actually excited about that? Who cares? I know the players kind of care, but again, it's just a popularity contest. That's why they care. They want to be liked and appreciated for being a good football player. But they need to, hey, Packer fans, if you're, or Packer players, if you're listening, stop caring. It has no effect on how good of a football player you are. Maybe a little bit, but it's it, it just, it's not, it's not proof of anything. Anyways, do you know who it is? I'll give you a hint. He's a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. I'll give you another hint. It's not Mike Evans. Chris Godwin is the highest graded wide receiver in all of football. He's been absolutely tearing it up. All year. He's been a freak. Now, I know Chris Godwin is in the Pro Bowl. I know. And that's great. And maybe I'm being nitpicky here. But to be clear, he's not a starter. Julio Jones and Michael Thomas are. Again, it's nitpicky because Julio and Michael Thomas are definitely up there. Based on PFF, they're, as far as the NFC is concerned, number two and number three. But I guess the point I'm making is the reason Chris Godwin wasn't given the respect he's due is because he doesn't have the big name recognition like Julio Jones and Michael Thomas. The bigger mishaps, you could argue, would be over on the AFC side. Not actually a lot of AFC wide receivers. DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, is a big one. Tyreek Hill is number two as far as PFF is concerned. He made the list, not as a starter, but he's on there. You have to go all the way down to number 11. Well, I guess I'll sort it by overall wide receiver here. To get the third highest AFC wide receiver. And he's not on the list. 
And again, I'm not saying PFF should should be the ultimate arbiter and things, but when you see who does make the list and who doesn't make the list, it definitely seems to be a little bit of bias. He's on a team that's not good, an offense that's no good. He's a player that nobody knows about, nobody cares about. A second-year guy that certainly nobody's hyping up, but the ninth best wide receiver in football based on PFF grade right now is Cortland Sutton. He didn't make the cut. Another guy that, that did make the cut, who is actually the highest-graded wide receiver over about the last four weeks, he's been tearing it up as a rookie, didn't make the list, but he is the, what are we at now, the fourth-highest-graded AFC wide receiver, 12th overall because all the good wide receivers are in the NFC, is A.J. Brown, didn't make the list. The fifth-highest-graded is Keenan Allen. He did make the list because he's Keenan Allen, and everybody still thinks that he's a top wide receiver because he is a good wide receiver. He's very good. But is he top two, three, four, five? He's 15th right now. After that is Emmanuel Sanders. He didn't make the list, although he's a 49er now, so I guess he wouldn't make that list. He certainly wouldn't make the NFC list because it's just a billion NFC wide receivers. The only reason I keep going down this list is because we don't have all the guys yet. We got Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, and and, uh, Keenan Allen right away. But the fourth guy on this list is Jarvis Landry. Why is Jarvis Landry on this list? He's not a bad wide receiver, but why? It's because he's Jarvis Landry. Because he has a reputation for being a very good wide receiver. Jarvis Landry right now on PFF is graded as the 22nd best wide receiver in football. Also behind DJ Chark. So what is that, the 6th or 7th best AFC wide receiver on this list? They got him down as the... Where did they put him? So in order, they have it DeAndre Hopkins, then Keenan Allen then Jarvis Landry, then Tyreek Hill. That's a joke. Again, you're, you're going to hit most of these. Most of the top guys are going to be on here. I don't have a lot of arguments with a lot of this stuff, but some of it's a little silly. Jarvis Landry shouldn't be going anywhere. Unless the Pro Bowl is going to take into account your, your past history. Well, he deserves it. He's, he's been a great wide receiver. for. That's not what we're talking about. It's supposed to be based on this year. And, that, and you know, that's just wide receiver. If you look at the pass rusher thing, because that's the biggest outrage. And, it, and it's fair, and it comes down to how do you judge it, right? Statistically, Zadarius Smith should be there because he's having, as I've said several times now, a historical year. But what are we basing this on? I, I don't know. If we look at PFF grade, and really, there's the problem with this is everybody's stacked at the top. There are nine players from 88 to 91, which is basically, so Zadarius is ranked ninth via PFF as far as edge rushers at 88.6. TJ Watt is 91.0. But if we look at the top NFC pass rushers in terms of PFF grade, and again, you can do this however you want. If you want to look at stats, which maybe that's all people are doing, which wouldn't surprise me because you got people who want to be honest to her fans. What are they going to do? They're not going to pay for a $200 PFF subscription to see what their grades are on a week-to-week snap-by-snap basis. They're going to look at how many yards they got, which is lazy, but fine. But Daniil Hunter is graded as the number one pass rusher in the NFC right now. So I don't have a problem with him being where he is. Nick Bosa is the number three pass rusher. I don't have a problem with him. I'm talking NFC. He's number eight overall. Zadarius is number four, which technically would knock him out because they're only bringing three. The other guy would actually be Eric Armstead with the San Francisco 49ers. So, I mean, you, you, you can look at this either way. Why, why isn't Eric Armstead in there? Because nobody cares about Eric Armstead. As far as a pass rusher, he's not doing much. He's a great run defender, and nobody cares about that. Now, if we just want to look at pass rush, Fine, then it should be number one Chandler, Z- Chandler Jones. We're just looking at NFC. There's a lot of AFC guys. Miles Garrett, number one, but he's out. TJ Watt, I think, isn't he hurt? JJ Watt's hurt. Joey Bosa. Uh, but the fifth highest graded pass rusher in football right now is Chandler Jones. He never got the nod. After that is Zadarius Smith. He didn't get the nod. And after that is Khalil Mack. He didn't get the nod. Those are the top three pass rushers in the NFC. 
So are we just looking at defenders and we should have brought in Eric Armstead? Or are we looking at pass rushers and we just got everybody wrong? If we're looking at stats in terms of, um, let's say, sacks, because that's the most lazy way to do it. Oh, they did that. Those are outside linebackers. Okay, so they have Chandler Jones, Khalil Mack, and Shaquille Barrett. So let's see how they came to that conclusion. Basically, that's my list for pass rush, except Zadarius got replaced by Shaquille Barrett. Why? Because Shaquille Barrett has 17 sacks this year. So again, there, there doesn't seem to be a standard here. It's just kind of whatever. It's, it's we got to have Shaquille Barrett because he has 17 sacks, and that's crazy. At least PFF stats. I don't know what his, his recorded stats are. I'm sure it's a lower number. But as far as a pass rusher, he's graded as 12th. Just in the NFC, he's behind D. Ford, Daniil Hunter, Nick Bosa, Khalil Mack, Zadarius Smith, and Chandler Jones. If we're looking at just um, pressures, then obviously Zadarius Smith is the number one outside linebacker in the AFC or NFC, because I guess Daniil Hunter is a defensive end and we're going to separate that. I don't know how that works in the Pro Bowl, though, because outside linebacker means different stuff. I don't know, whatever. They can figure it out. It's not like anyone's going to watch anyways. It's a terrible product. After that, geez. I'm just looking at NFC outside linebackers. So it would be Zadarius Smith, then Shaquille Barrett, then Khalil Mack, I guess, who would be 10th. So again, it would be three of them, but Zadarius would be one of them. If you're looking at pressures, it should be Shaquille, Khalil, and Zadarius. And Chandler Jones would be out. If you're looking at sacks, it would be Shaquille, Chandler, and Zadarius, and Khalil Mack would be out. If you're looking at pass rush grades, it would be Chandler, Zadarius, and Khalil. So regardless of how you're doing this, Zadarius is top three in every single one of these categories. He is a top three pass rush grade, top three in pressures, top three in sacks. He's not on the list. Why? It's just name recognition. Khalil Mack's not going to not be on this list because he's Khalil Mack. Shaquille Barrett's not going to not be on this list because there's a, a ton of hype around all the sacks he's getting. And Chandler Jones just is Chandler Jones. So it's not a thing based on merit. I mean, it, it, it is a little bit, but there's, a, there's always going to be that mix of name recognition. Zadarius has been a nobody up until this year. I've never even heard his name until the Packers started talking about maybe getting him. And I looked up what he had done, and it's like, mm, he's pretty good, I guess. And he comes over here, and, and what is he doing? He's got a bunch of sacks, but nobody cares. Nobody's talking about it. To be honest, I'm not entirely sure why. I guess probably because there's 15, well, no, yeah, there's 15 guys with double-digit sacks already this season. Cam Jordan, Daniil Hunter have 14, Chandler Jones has 15, TJ Watt is 16, Shaquille Barrett is 17. And nobody really cares about pressure percentage because it's not just a readily available stat. You have to listen to the Packernet podcast to know this. Well, now it's everywhere, but again, you listen to this show because you've been hearing me talk about Zadarius Smith's, Smith's pressure percentage for a month and a half. Now all the blue check marks caught on, and they're talking about it constantly. But th- the main point I'm making is, who cares? What we need to do is stop worrying about getting the right players into the Pro Bowl so that we can say so-and-so has so many Pro Bowl nods and start talking about not talking about the Pro Bowl as a way of talking about how great a player is. Right? Whenever we look at a player and their accomplishments, we see how many times they were in the Pro Bowl, how many times they were all pro, how many times this, 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 this. And that might be a general indication if you have no idea who this player is. You know, we're going back 40 years and you want to know, you know, who is Stan Jones of the Chicago Bears? I don't know anything about Stan Jones. Well, he went to the Pro Bowl 1955, 56, 57, 58, 59, 60, 61, and he was all pro in 59, 56, and 55. 
so probably a pretty good player. Despite the fact that we know it's a somewhat flawed system, you can look at the fact that this guy from 1955 to 1961 went to the Pro Bowl every single year and was all, all pro three of those years. You can probably gauge that this guy's great without no, without having to see specifically anything else. Well, maybe he didn't fully deserve it every... No, this guy was good. So from that standpoint, it's fine. In a very, very broad sense... But this isn't this this doesn't matter, especially now because we don't have anything like PFF for Stan Jones. Now that we have it, now that we have a few other sites that can break down certain statistics a little bit more accurately, we don't need this Pro Bowl All Pro nonsense. You know, there was a time when all this stuff wasn't readily available, and we didn't know anything about all these other guys. So whatever the other coaches and other players are saying, it carries a lot of weight because they're actually watching these other. Th- I mean, you got Game Pass. If you want to actually go watch somebody, you can go watch them. I can go watch somebody back in 2010. I can go watch a left guard week four of the Minnesota Vikings week, well, it's week four, because I just, you know, I heard he had a good game. I don't know. It's just irrelevant. Who cares? And I know the players do, and you know that they do because they're begging you to please retweet and make them the greatest, and every time there's an interception by Adrian Amos, it's like, vote Adrian Amos, which is the greatest safety in the world. And we do because we're Packer fans, but it doesn't really matter, and he's not going to get in. But it just, it doesn't matter. It's, it's completely ascientific. You can pretty much tell who's going to get in or, or pretty close to if you have a pretty good gauge on who is... I mean, it's, it's more or less... I don't want to say casual fans, because casual fans couldn't do this, but, like, really big fans before you get into the, the really, really big, like, analyst-type people. The people that know the names and watch the news, like if you watch ESPN or whatever, NFL Network 24 hours a day... Those people could probably tell you exactly who's going to get into the Pro Bowl because it's the names you've been hearing every single day all year long. Those guys. And so in a weird kind of way, it's almost like the media is the one putting them in because whoever they highlight are the guys that are going in. And so again, you get a guy like Shaquille Barrett. Why? Because you keep hearing Shaquille Barrett's name. Why? Because the guy's got a billion sacks and he's doing a great job and I'm not saying he shouldn't be in. What I'm saying is I came up with three criteria. And there's basically four players. There's Chandler Jones, Khalil Mack, Shaquille Barrett, and Zadarius Smith. Those are the four guys, unquestionably. Every single one of those those three categories that you use, it's some mix of those three. The point that I was making is that Zadarius Smith is top three in all those categories, but they just use some kind of a random mix. And if you think about if you just laid those four names out and just said, okay, the general public's going to pick the top three, you know 100% Zadarius is the one getting left out. Because Chandler Jones and Khalil Mack are massive names that are going to be top two, and they are. Shaquille Barrett, despite his 17 sacks, is going to be next in line because he's not doesn't have the name recognition. But he does have a ton of media hype. And again, rightly so. By the way, I'd like to say that I advocated for Shaquille Barrett coming to Green Bay. Not complaining. I'm happy with the guys we got. I just want it to be noted that I was a big Shaquille Barrett advocate. Why? Because PFF liked him. As I've been saying for a long time, I have a lot of correct opinions. Most of them are thanks to PFF. I wanted Emmanuel Sanders to come here. Not so much anybody else, but I wanted him. Why? Because he's a good wide receiver, as we can see in San Francisco. I wanted Shaquille Barrett because he's pretty good. As a matter of fact, I made the outlandish statement that I would take Shaquille Barrett over Frank Clark, which at the time seemed ridiculous because Frank Clark was seen as the biggest, newest, up-and-coming freak on the planet. Frank Clark is graded as the 68th best pass rusher in football. He's not doing jack squat. He has 39 pressures and six sacks. Why? Because Frank Clark was overhyped by the media, and by people that don't really know what they're talking about. And it's why I tend to trust PFF over random media pundits who tell me that Frank Clark is the new greatest up-and-coming pass rusher in football. And why I would say something ridiculous, like, to be completely honest, I would rather have a guy 
like Shaquille Barrett over Frank Clark, and everybody loses their mind. You're out of your mind. And so I temper it down a little bit, like, well, for the price. No, he's just a better football player. End of story. Anyways, there's my PFF rant of the day. I just, I keep seeing it. I saw it yesterday. Bill Huber, who also has a podcast on the Overtime Network, by the way, he had said something on Twitter about the drops and how PFF didn't credit, I think, Geronimo or MVS with drops, despite them not catching passes. That seemed to be their fault, although obviously PFF seems to be blaming Rodgers for those. But he, he, he questioned it in a sort of just general question-y kind of way. And then, of course, you always get a comment in those kinds of things, PFF is trash. I stayed out of it, but I saw it, and I was like, you know what? This is just going to cause me to unload tomorrow. I can't, I can't help. It is, it is the, it, it's, the, it's the best resource we have anywhere. That's all there is to it. It's not perfect, but there isn't anything even close to being as good of a resource as PFF. It's just, it's not even close. So if you're tired of me talking about it, I'm sorry. You might just need to find a new podcast. Because the, the stats or whatever else you like to use, it just doesn't compare. I've been doing this for years now, making predictions, making statements based on the grades that they assign and the amount of ridiculous things that I've said that have come true, that have been historically true. I could go on national media and be hailed as a wizard, having seen these things come, and all I'm doing is reading PFF numbers and seeing which number is higher than the other number. Anyways, you, you, you get what I'm saying, right? Stop caring about the Pro Bowl. It doesn't matter. Does Zadarius Smith deserve to be in? Yes. Is it that egregious that he's you know, not in the top three? Not really. All three guys are deserving. Should it be different? Yeah, Zadarius should be in there. Who do you bump out? Probably Barrett. But again, it's hard. The guy's got 17 sacks. You could bump out Khalil because he's statistically having a down year, but, I mean, name recognition alone, nobody's ever going to bump out Khalil Mack. But anyways, uh, why don't we take a break, and then there's uh, two other things that I need to talk about, and we'll run through those relatively quickly. All righty. Let me just very quickly talk about um, Mr. Kirk Cousin. One of the, the storylines going into Monday, there, there's two competing storylines. Number one, the Green Bay Packers have never won over in, uh, what was it? I don't have time to pull it up, but it was pretty funny. Something about the bird-killing place known as the Viking Stadium. I butchered it, but it's funny. Packers haven't won there. However, Kirk Cousins has never won a Monday night football game, and they're playing on Monday night. He's 0-8. Now, the problem with both of these things is that they're very limited. They're very limited in terms of there's not that many times these things have happened. We're talking about eight football games. Now, granted, 0-8 is a heck of an anomaly. But as we know, wins are not quarterback stats. And so blaming all of those on Kirk Cousins and saying he's cursed, there might be something to it. There are players that don't play well under pressure, that kind of clam up and get nervous and all those kinds of things. So I wanted to see. It's a very simple question. And again, I get to use the most amazing source in the world, Pro Football Focus. Not perfect, but they do a pretty good job of gauging whether or not somebody played well or played poorly. The question then is, does Kirk Cousins play poorly on Monday Night Football comparatively, or are these just kind of random losses? Well, here's the thing. He's only played a Monday night football game twice since being a Minnesota Viking. Both of those games were away games. Both of those games were against Seattle. There's not too many places that are harder to play than at Seattle. And so, yeah, they were 0-2 playing in Seattle. The other six games came when he was playing for the Washington Redskins. Only one of those six games did he have a bad grade. Granted, it was the worst game he played that entire year. However, some of the best games he's played, I I took a record of it. One of them was the best. One of them was the second best that year. One of them was like the third best, the seventh best. They were some of the best games he had played. However, the team, the team being the Washington Redskins, not a very good one, lost all of those games. It's a weird occurrence, 
but it's not because Kirk Cousins plays poorly. So I don't want to come into this with the false assumption that Kirk Cousins is terrible on Monday, so we're going to get a bad version of, of Kirk Cousins. We might. Kirk Cousins played terrible the last time. I mean, again, it was the worst game he's ever played in his career was Week 2 against the Green Bay Packers. His PFF grade was a 25.8. The next worst game he played this year was a 61.5. He hasn't even been below average one time this year other than that game. So I'm, I'm not anticipating him playing poorly. And in general, I just don't like those kind of trends. You know, I'm going to bet against Kirk Cousins because he's 0-8. That's just not really how statistic works unless you can find an underlying cause. If there's a reason, that's fine. But for example, when they say, well, the, the Lions haven't beaten the, the Packers in Lambeau, I know this is gone, but there was that statistic. The Lions haven't beaten the Packers in Lambeau since 1992 or whatever. Obviously, the 1992 Lions or 1993 Lions and 1993 Packers have zero to do with what this game is. Right? So that kind of stuff is just ridiculous. It has absolutely no statistical bearing whatsoever. So again, Kirk Cousins is 0-8, but that's somewhat wholly irrelevant. Then there's the other side of the coin where the Packers haven't beat the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota since they've created their new stadium. Now, the fact of the matter is the Packers just haven't beat the Vikings very often since they've beaten the new, created the new stadium. Since 2016, the Packers are 2-5-1 and one against the Vikings in any stadium. Since 2016 in Lambeau, including this year, the Packers are 2-2-1. That's at home against the Vikings. So the Packers have had a rough go of it so far against the Vikings. But again, what are we actually talking about? The, the Packers play at that stadium once a year. They've had that stadium for now. This is their fourth year, but we haven't been there yet. So we're talking about three games. So we're talking about 0-3. I, I don't, I mean, come on. And yeah, a lot of it has to do with it being a tough place to play. The Vikings having been a pretty good team over the last few years, and the Packers having been struggling the last few years. So when you talk about a good team playing in a really tough environment, and a bad team having to go to that really tough environment, 0-3 is somewhat expected, I think. So the only other real question is, what about Aaron Rodgers playing there? Well, in 2016, the worst game he played all year was at Minnesota. So that's not great. Uh, For reference, 2016, Aaron Rodgers had a 91.4 overall grade. He only had four games that were below 70. 70 is good. He only had four games below that. One of them was a 68.6, so really about three games. Two of them were in the 40s. One of them was at Minnesota. So that's not great. 2017, he did end up playing at Minnesota, despite having been injured. Um, Actually, was in that game, and he played phenomenally. However, too small of a sample size to actually count that, so we kind of have to expunge that from the record. 2018... Week 12 at Minnesota, he had an 80.1 overall grade. 2018, not a good year, right? He actually played pretty well. So so it's the, it's the same thing with Cousins, right? He played poorly against both Seattle teams, but it's at Seattle, so it's under, understandable. He had one of his eight with the six where it was the worst game he played all year, but the rest were pretty good. Same thing with Rodgers. If you go back to 2016, the worst game he played that entire year was at Minnesota. Since then, he actually plays pretty well there. Not to say I necessarily expect him to do that again, because it's not based on what he's done in the past. None of this is. Now, again, if there's a trend where his, the worst, if, if it had been every year it was his worst game, that would be scary. Then I would start to say, you know what, maybe something's here. There's nothing here. There's nothing about the Packers' inability to play there other than it's a very tough environment to play in. The Packers haven't won there. The Vikings are undefeated there this year. Nobody beats the Vikings in Minnesota. Very rarely does that happen. 
That's the storyline, which we already know going into it. So there's not this extra thing where the Packers have never won. We're talking about three games, dude. Talking about three games in a real tough environment, and the Packers haven't pulled off a win. By the way, only two of those games involved Aaron Rodgers. One of them, Aaron Rodgers, got hurt after nine or eight snaps or whatever it was. So we're talking two games with Aaron Rodgers. One of them, Aaron Rodgers, played really badly. The other one, Aaron Rodgers, actually played pretty well, but the Packers still lost, despite Aaron Rodgers playing well, because it was 2018 and the whole team was trash. Bottom line is, it's a new year. It's a new day. It's a new era. It's a very, very, very tough place to play. There's no two ways around it. It doesn't matter if it was the Saints going in there or the 49ers going in there. They would have a a tough time beating the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. All right? Just thought that would help a little bit because you're going to be hearing that a lot. The Packers have never won. Kirk Cousins has never won a Monday Night Football game. Something has to give. Well, technically that's true. But what's giving is a statistic that doesn't matter. Either Kirk Cousins is going to break this quote-unquote curse that is not even a curse because it has nothing to do with Kirk Cousins. It's just a weird anomaly, which happens when we're talking about a sample size of eight. Or the Packers win for the first time in that stadium which would be great, then there would be one of four instead of zero for three. Whoop-de-doo either way. So the question comes from Ben. He was asking about Chris Orr from the Wisconsin Badgers. It's a uh, draft question. He said, PFF has given Chris Orr an overall grade of 86.4 and a pass rush grade of 90.5. Where does he rank wise among college linebackers? Could he be a middle round option for the Packers? You know what? I tell you what. I don't have my full list here. Let's let's talk about a little bit of information. I don't know exactly where he ranks on my board because I don't have it with me, the updated one. I just updated it yesterday. So I'll, I'll try to remember to get that information tomorrow. You know, the, the funny thing I will say about him, so he's, he's uh, how tall is he? He's 6 foot, 224 pounds. PFF says he, or at the midway point, they'd given him credit for being the number one linebacker in the Big Ten. PFF gave him 19 stops and 14 quarterback pressure. Um, they, they've got him very highly valued in the run game as well as the pass. The interesting thing that comes up, the, the first person that comes to mind if I were to come up with a comparable is actually a guy that I've just recently been hyping up that I haven't talked about a bunch, but he's somebody that PFF has really liked that's a professional that doesn't get any credit that I think has been doing really good this year, has always actually been a really good linebacker, but again, nobody ever gives credit to. That's Nick Kwiatkowski of the Chicago Bears. Now he's six foot two, two forty two, so very similar. He's about two inches taller, but about the same weight. Kwiatkowski is fairly good against the run. He's a solid tackler. He does really well in coverage, but his number one asset is actually rushing the passer. He's a great blitzer. Now I'm sure it's not going to be quite that easy. You know, he does these things really well in college. However, if we just take it at face value, and we especially think about Mike Pettin's defense. Having a guy that's an upgrade as a run defender that, that can at least at least handle that, he's got speed and talent to cover. And let's just say on a, on a ranking of, of 1 to 10, because I'm not going to pretend this guy's a 10 in all these categories, but let's say he's you know a 7 against the run, a 6 in coverage, but is like a 9.5 as a blitzer as far as linebackers go. I, I would take that, especially if we're talking mid-round. And again, I'll, I'll get some more uh, details on that tomorrow, looking at where he ranks and where the different people rank him and whatnot. Um, I'm sure I'll have uh, PFF on there because I looked at their their draft guide and he's not in the draft guide. They've got 10 to 15 guys on there and he's not on that list. So again, remember this is this is just for Big Ten guys and that may have also fallen off. So I'm not exactly sure why he wasn't on that list. But I think the ability to be able to have a guy that's versatile is really going to appeal to the Packers. He's got to be able to do the fundamental. First of all, they're not going to take. Well, I shouldn't say that because they have a history of taking guys 
like Jake Ryan and Blake Martinez, who aren't really good in coverage. But I think they're definitely leaning more heavily toward the Oren Burks. So fundamentally, he's got to have some ability to cover. He's got to at least have the athleticism to, to do it. Not that he can actually do it, but he's got to at least have the athleticism to pull it off. He's got to fundamentally have some ability against the run. But I think as an extra added benefit, if he also just has a knack for getting after the quarterback, whatever that might mean, you know, shedding blocks, pass rush move, being super sneaky, whatever he's doing, I think that would be awesome. It's just another guy to account for. And, and, and let's be honest, rushing the passer is one of the one of the biggest assets that a team has. Get after the quarterback and cover on the back end is pretty much all we're doing. You, you've got to have the ability to cover, but you only need to cover so long as it takes these guys to get to the quarterback. If you're not doing that, then you're doing it on the offense's term, which means nobody's getting there. He's just throwing it at the time in which he feels that this is a good time to throw because somebody's open or whatever. But if you're going to do it on your terms, the way that you do that, you cover their guys and you force the quarterback to either go eat dirt or throw it somewhere. You always want to do it on your term. And you, again, you do that by covering and rushing the passer. That's that's NFL defenses. That's it. Stop the run. Yeah, kind of. It's important. But if, if you can get to the quarterback and force him to not be able to throw the ball where and when he wants to, you're not going to lose the game. I mean, you know, should try to be able to stop and stop the run, but I, I would be all for that. And and, and, and again, I, I haven't watched him. I'll do that today if I can find some clips on him on YouTube. And uh, again, I'll try to get a better answer tomorrow. I wanted to be able to do it right away, but I guess I didn't read the question thoroughly enough. I got to make sure I have my full list. And I'll, I'll try to get that up on Patreon for you guys as well. Again, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you'd like to donate, anybody giving $5 or more can see my uh, draft big board, which is I take, there was a bunch yesterday that, that came through. There was a bunch I had to delete because they haven't been updating. And now that it's December, they're all updating. Websites that haven't done a big board all year have now got their big boards up, huddle report, et cetera, et cetera. So um, yeah, a lot of big updates. And um, so I'll get, the, I'll try to get that up today and I'll get you more information tomorrow. I want to do a little bit of a draft thing. Maybe I'll do that as a PM episode. I'll do a, uh, a draft episode or something. Uh, but anyways, that's going to be it. I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a great day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>